Welcome to Cub of Cubby Blue, your series by series check-in for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're an official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. You can also find us at bleedcubbyblue.com or on our Twitter account at Cup of Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue, and I'm bummed. Hi, guys. I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek, and I have two buzzwords today, and they're disappointed and embarrassed. I mean, I don't know. I'm not embarrassed. I just don't understand why the bats go, like, randomly cold. I mean, we literally had 10 hits in two games against the Brewers. Ten yeah, hits. no, it's bad. That's it. <laughs> that's awful. And no runs. I mean, that's... Well, that's... we're going to get into the no runs thing. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, the bats on this team just like just randomly like go away completely. And you know what? We're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's remember back to happier times. Um <laughs> game one was good. Game one was great. I was really happy. Uh Jose Quintana was super solid and he's been pretty good against the Brewers. What did you think about game one? Let's remember good things. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago. And I know it's like, you know, the sky is falling one day and the next day we're like, you know, on cloud nine. So, yeah, it's 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 good to remember that we don't always feel this woe is me. But game one was great. Game one felt like we were going to dominate this entire series. Um, Quintana was solid. I mean, he was solid. He had a couple innings that he struggled a little bit, but came out of it. Only had three strikeouts. He did have two walks. Um, only gave up four hits, which wow, okay. Um, he got the win. I mean, it was a it was a good game for him. The, the Cubs scored early and fast, you know, scoring seven or five runs in the first two innings, and our offense looked pretty solid. It looked like we were going to um, like I said, just kind of blow through the series. And unfortunately that was not the case. Um, I, I just, I, I really just don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, for them to look like game one, one game, and then game two was like a completely different team. So, um, nothing really jumps out at me about game one, other than, like I said, their offense was, um, really good the first two innings and then it seems like when the bullpen came in they kind of quieted them down a little bit but um other than that I mean even with that quieted down offense with the bullpen they did score in the seventh and eighth inning and like scoring seems like a premium right now just like runs crossing the plate (laughs) it's like this is my new goal for the Mariners series is like how many can the Cubs just score runs (laughs) Yeah, like all I care about. That's not all I care about. Clearly, the pitching needs to hold up and do some other things. But, you know, 11 hits, seven runs. That's good baseball. And I and I I need to, you know, do a little bit of a mea culpa here, because this was the lineup that when it came out, if you remember, everybody on Twitter was like, Oh, my God, what is going on with this lineup. And for those of you that don't remember, or maybe have already blacked out the Brewer series, because who could blame you? Um, the lineup for the game where the bats looked really solid had Ian Happ leading off in center, Castellanos in right, Caratini at first, Javi at shortstop, Schwarber in left, Russell at second, Lucroy catching, Bodie at third. He's in Iowa now. That's how like quick the last three days have been. 
Quintana pitching. I mean, that lineup looked not great. I'm not going to lie. And they just came out like gangbusters. Well, and I think in um, in wave to the rest of the season and how weird this season has been overall, I find myself not overreacting to lineups anymore. Like, because stuff like this happens. Like, you put together the most unusual suspect lineup and you win a game seven to one against the Brewers. And then you put together your A++ lineup and they can't score a run and have four hits. So that's why I, I just don't like, I, I kind of chuckle at the folks on Twitter that freak out about lineups these days, because this is a team that you just don't know. You don't know what's going to happen from one inning to the next, let alone, you know, one lineup to the next. So I just, I don't overreact to that. And yeah, it didn't look the greatest, but I was like, that's kind of how this team has been. You know, they've kind of surprised us in situations like that. And here we are, you know, taking a win with this lineup seven to one. So just keep that in your back pocket for future lineups, because I have a feeling that won't be the last time that we see that. Yeah. Um, so speaking of games where the Cubs couldn't score any runs, uh, game two and three, I just want to, before we get into the bats, which we'll talk about bats, um, the pitching for these games has been really quite good. I mean, even with Chatwood, his spot start that was kind of unexpected because you Darvish has right forearm tightness that apparently we don't get to know anything more about that. Just right forearm t- tightness and he'll be back, which it could mean anything. Um, you know, they got it done. The pitching was solid. The game um, on Sunday wound up looking like it was more of a mismatch than it was because Kimbrell came in in a non-safe situation and got rocked by Christian Yelich, which I don't know what to, what to do about that. That just happens sometimes. Um, so it's it's just kind of, I don't know. These games were almost more upsetting to me because we wasted really good pitching with zero runs. It has been 18 innings since the Cubs scored at all. I mean, I don't know about you, but that scares me a little bit. (laughs) I mean, that's a long time for this offense to not score a run. It is. It it is, in fact, two full games of not scoring at all. (sighs) Yeah, Uh, and, and... it's funny because that game on Friday, like I said, it made you feel like this series was going to be exactly what we needed it to be in either a two out of three or a sweep. And here we are talking about a series loss at home against the struggling Milwaukee Brewers. So, yeah, I'm, you know, this is kind of, again, like I said last podcast, upside down world. And, you know, who knows when we go back on the road, we probably take care of business with Milwaukee, but that remains to be seen. So we'll see. Um, Yeah. Normally we do sort of a, like who's hot on the Cubs when we look at our series preview and I'm going to move that up for this podcast, just because I think that talking about the bats as like a collective problem rather than like a, who should we be looking out for at least for the Cubs makes sense here. I mean, I, I was looking at this earlier today and this is just not, Everything about this is not great. The um, only players who have a WRC plus over 100. So basically any player WRC plus is weighted to 100. So over 100 means you're above average by X number of degrees and like under 100 means you're below. The only ones with WRC plus over 100 in the last two weeks 
are Victor Caratini, Nicholas Castellanos, and Kyle, Kyle Schwarber. I mean, that is not great. And then when you dive into those numbers a little bit more, these guys are really struggling. Here is uh, just, you know, randomly, Javi Baez's slash line over that period, 238, 319, 405. His WRC plus is 89. Um, Chris Bryant, 209, 277, 326 with a WRC plus of 58. Anthony Rizzo doesn't even qualify for a number of at-bats here because he's been out with back issues. I mean, yikes. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely not good numbers. And as as you're reading those off, I'm just kind of like um, – smacking in my head it's i mean what what do we even do about this you know what well, can we even... don't do anything i mean right. you and i you and i watch the games and get on twitter <laughs> right right <laughs> what can they do about it what are they going to do about it <laughs> right um you know and and here's another thing too this lineup um definitely is going to have some you know, something injected straight into it here soon when we have Wilson Contreras coming back. We have Ben Zobras probably getting, I don't know if he'll get the start today, but I know he is supposed to get um, an at-bat or two, hopefully. Um, we'll see. I mean, it, it needs something. It needs something. Castellanos um, had a really good game one, you know, going two for four and had four RBIs. And then, no, I don't believe he got to hit the rest of the series. So, um, yeah, I mean, they got to figure something out and, and somebody needs to step up when the lineup is in situations like this. And, and, you know, I, I saw somebody else tweet this the other day and I thought it was so appropriate. They're going to need a different hero every game if this is the way it's going to go. <laughs> Cause I'm, and I'm you know, okay with that. Like I'm okay yeah. with a different hero every game, but somebody has to be the hero. I mean, I didn't even mention the line there that is probably the worst line, which is I, Jason Hayward, who I love, is really struggling right now. He, uh, over his last 46 plate appearances, is batting 100-217-125. Well, and... That is awful. Yeah, that's not good. That is not good. Um, in all fairness, I mean, I love Jason Hayward. I'm always going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I know, you know, performance speaks more than anything else. And lately that that area has definitely been lacking for him. And don't think he's not fully aware of his struggles and what's happening. And you can just see, you know, the body language of some of these guys that are growing really frustrated with what's happening. So I'm just hoping this month of September, it's September 2nd now today, we're recording this morning, it's September 2nd. Um, I'm just hoping that there's a lot of things figured out. A lot of switches are turned on and we put the the pedal to the metal because really that's the only way. And some of these guys don't even need to necessarily light fire, but they just need to be showing up on a consistent basis and be able to produce here and there. And I think everybody is well aware of that fact and, and knows that, that that needs to happen because the teams ahead of us are are doing that and doing that well. So we need to kind of get there and get there quicker. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as Andy mentioned, it, it is September 2nd. We're recording this uh, on Labor Day before the Cubs start their series with the Mariners. Interestingly, it's about 1020 right now, and I keep hitting refresh on the Cubs Twitter page for the lineup, which is normally out by now, and it's it's not out. Um, they did just mention that the Cubs recalled Adbert Alsley from Iowa, 
which I didn't expect quite this early, but I, I love it. If he, He's looked really great since um, his injury stint and that one bad start in Pittsburgh. So hopefully he can be helpful out of the pen. Um, hope I, I'm a little curious if he's also there in case whatever's going on with Darvish's forearm is more than what we think it is, which would be not great news at all. Um, but we'll see. Uh, and, and part of the reason I say that, I know it's September. I know it's roster call-up season. Uh, Iowa is in a playoff run. So you would think that, you know, if the Cubs starting rotation and pitching depth was fine, they would not need Alzale there. They would leave yeah. him in Iowa until the playoff run is over. I kind of feel like they're doing the Iowa Cubs dirty because they're kind of taking all, <laughs> their, all of their pieces that would be very helpful in winning a championship. But obviously, you know, the the health and the depth of the Chicago Cubs is a little bit more important than winning. A lot. A, yeah. <laughs> Substantially more important. Sorry. I, I was being <laughs> sarcastic. <laughs> Yes, it's a little <laughs> bit more important. If you, I'm, I'm, I'm laying down the sarcasm a little, a little thick. So, look, I, I, I'm like not far <laughs> enough into my coffee to pick up your sarcasm. I'm, I'm yeah, trying. My, my energy drink is is getting chugged here quickly when you're speaking. So, <laughs> um, honestly, like this stretch, and for the record, the Cubs have gone ten and ten over their last twenty games. The bats have gone hot and cold all season. This would not be that anomalous for 2019, and we probably wouldn't feel so panicked about it if it were not for the fact that St. Louis is just out of their minds right now. Everyone on that team practically is doing damage at the plate. They are 15-5 and over their last 20 games, and I've lost count of the number of times that St. Louis has come back and walked a game off or come back late uh, in the last, like, three weeks. I honestly (laughs) – I stopped – uh, scoreboard watching St. Louis because I felt like every time I did, they'd be losing and then they'd immediately come back. And I felt like I was being bad luck or something. Well, I can tell you they walked off too, just in the series against the Reds alone. And that was kind of a weird series because it was two doubleheaders on Saturday, two doubleheaders on Sunday. And you know, the Reds have been a really good team against the Chicago Cubs this year. They've kind of been our kryptonite, as you've probably heard me mention a few times. And they had one job against St. Louis, and that was to kind of neutralize that series, and they couldn't do that. And that's really disappointing. But that's what I get for counting on the Reds to do anything positive in our direction. So, yeah, the Cardinals are are – crazy right now out of their minds the only thing I continue to hope for is that that means they're going to cool off and they're going to cool off big time and that hasn't happened yet but they haven't really had um an opponent that I think could do that so eventually they're going to run into somebody that's going to cool them off it's just this has been the exception for them the past 20 games they have not looked that good I mean, on paper, they're a good team. They're not the team that they're playing like right now. So, you know, I I can bank on that all day long, and I can really hope that comes to fruition. But really, the truth is, you know, they might have figured things out here at the end of the season, and that would be unfortunate for the Cubs because right now we can't figure things out. And we kind of need it to to be upside-down world for them. (laughs) Yeah, it is worth noting that this stretch that they're on, which is super impressive, and it and look, you put together a winning baseball season by beating the teams that you're supposed to te- to beat and doing well against them, but it, it has been a lot of teams who are far out of contention, and it's been those teams 
after the trade deadline. So it's those teams after they got rid of whatever talent they could for prospects. I mean, this damage has been done against Pittsburgh, the Royals, the Reds, the Brewers, who I, I, I know that we just talked about them beating the Cubs, but frankly, I the Brewers have looked really bad, and I was kind of disappointed that the Cubs couldn't take two and three. Not kind of. I was incredibly disappointed that the Cubs could not take two out of three off a Brewers team that is struggling mightily. It, it, honestly, in, the, in some senses, the thing that's a little bit more worrying to me with the way this Cardinals team is playing right now and the way that this Cubs team is playing right now is that the Cubs just can't seem to get it together for those games that they are supposed to win. And if you watch this team consistently, like one day they look like the 2016 team and other days they look like one of those 2013, 2014 teams that was just not great. Yeah, it's definitely rough. It's definitely rough when we have seen a a good portion of our, of the games that we've watched this season, they've looked really good. Like there's been games when it's like, ah, this finally, you know, they were finally getting it. They're clicking. Their offense looks good. Manufacturing runs, not necessarily relying on the long ball all the time. And then you have games like, you know, Saturday and Sunday where it's just so decimate. And so, like, somebody just get on base. <laughs> well, the runners on base, they just couldn't do anything with it. And, like, I – it's frustrating to me because this is not like all-star pitching or anything. They couldn't do anything with Zach Davies and Gio Gonzalez. And like, I do not even understand what Gio Gonzalez, like, look, some pitchers just have your number, but it is frustrating to have this team that has supposedly been the class of the division for the last five, not supposedly, they have been. I'm just cranky because those games made me sad, but like to do nothing, nothing, Against Zach Davies and Gio Gonzalez is just like mind-blowingly frustrating. Well, even even after we had just got done sweeping the Mets, who are running, you know, three all-star caliber oh. pitchers against us, and we beat all three of them. It was it, it's just yeah, it's extremely frustrating. That is something that I just, you know, if I had a dollar for every time I did <laughs> this past weekend, I would be a very rich person. <laughs> it's just so frustrating. So frustrating. So since we have to do this because of where things are at right now, um, let's just take a quick look at the wild card standings. Since honestly, if I were to if I were to guess right now, I would say that the Cubs have a better shot of going in as the wild card. Admittedly, they still have seven head-to-head games with St. Louis, and if they do a lot of damage there, that could change. Um, The Cubs are currently four and a half behind the Nationals for the second wild card spot. They are two and a half ahead of the Phillies for that spot. Um, Milwaukee is three games behind Chicago for that spot. So still a tight race and really need to get it done against a Mariners team that's coming in to play at Wrigley today for two games. Uh, what are you looking at with the wild card race, Andy? Um, I still don't think the division is out of the question. I really don't, especially with all the head-to-head games we have against St. Louis. How we're playing makes me doubt that a little bit. But again, I mean, you know, like we've been saying all season, this team can look like two completely different teams from one day to the next. So it's not I it's not unheard of for for the Cubs to catch fire and the Cardinals to cool off and you know, they, they go head to head the last, I mean, seven games of the season. So, I mean, it could be another one of those 
end of seasons where it's decided in the last few games. And, you know, as much as I would love to be in a situation where we have like a 15 or 20 game lead and it's set in stone and we're pretty much done and, and coasting into the playoffs, I kind of like this. I mean, I don't like it for my anxiety level. (laughs) I I don't like it for my anxiety level. I don't like it for how nerve wracking it is, but it is a little bit more interesting. It is a little bit more like these guys need to have an edge to them. And I think that's probably the best way if they're going to be, if they're going to make the playoffs and going to do anything in the playoffs, I think they need to have the intensity that they're going to need to have this next month to, to win anything, to get, into the wild card or to win the division. So I'm trying to figure out the positives behind all this. It's not exactly an easy thing to do right now when, you know, you're kind of like right in the middle, we could go one way or the other. So, um, but that's one way to look at it. They're definitely, definitely going to need to, to come with some intensity and, and some fire over the next month. And that may end up helping them, you know, give them a boost into the playoffs, but you know, they got to figure some things out. They can't have this offense not show up, you know, two games in a row like that, especially against the pitching that we saw against a struggling team. They just can't do that. That's not going to bode well for them in the playoffs. So, you know, there's there's a month, a month to do this, a month to figure it out. And they, they need to, you know, it needs to start today. And I'm really curious what this lineup is going to look like today. Yeah, I am too. It is 1030 now. It is still not out. Um, Just one more note before we head to a quick break. Um, If you are a fan of playoff projections, which I am, I'm constantly comparing 538 and fan graphs and every now and again looking at Pakoda. Although sometimes I think that like Pakoda's projection of the Cubs being in last place with like a 70 whatever, 79 wins or whatever it was is just Pakoda knows what the Cubs are at at their worst. <laughs> like, Pakoda is a run of, like, how these games where the Cubs just, like, don't score and the bullpen is terrible, um, whereas the other sites actually take into account the days where the Cubs are good. I don't know. Um, the Fangraph's odds have flipped. So about uh, 10 days ago, I wrote a piece on this, and the Cubs were still the favorite to win the division, and they were – had like an 80, 90% chance of making the playoffs. Um, That is flipped now. So the favorites to win the division are the Cardinals. Uh, Fangraphs runs like simulations of the season over and over again. So what these numbers mean is that the percentage of times in those simulations, somebody has won the division and or made the playoffs. So the Cardinals won the division uh, 63% of the time in those projections and simulations. The Cubs won it 34.6% of the time as of this morning. And the playoff odds have the Cardinals at 89.5% and the Cubs at 76.2% for what it's worth. Well, I've seen a couple of people post about this a couple of times. And obviously with me living in St. Louis, this is not a fun time um, for me the last couple of weeks and probably the coming weeks, unless something flips here pretty quick. But the only thing that I keep thinking about is how great this is going to feel when the Cubs come back and win the division. Right now, I don't know that that's the way it's going to go. I hope that's the way it's going to go, but it would be really amazing if that could be the way it would go. That would be awesome and make my life a lot easier. Right now, not so easy. Yeah, I've, I've been thinking about you being in St. Louis pretty much every time my St. Louis friends like drop into my DMs to be like, how about those Cardinals? And I want to be like, how about how quiet you were for the first four and a half months of the season? 
Right. Like I have said, I'm going to keep reminding these folks, we didn't hear from you until August. <laughs> I mean, the look, season started in August, April. Like that is the way to play, but I just wish the trash talking would, would keep to a minimum too. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. On the flip side, we will talk about this Mariners series. Um, the Mariners are at Wrigley for two games. And we're back. So this is the last of interleague play on the Cubs schedule. Um, they've got two games at Wrigley against the Mariners. The probable pitchers, it are... Justin Shetfield, or Justice Shetfield, I don't know why that must have been an autocorrect thing. <laughs> Go me, this is what happens when I type things quickly in the morning. Justice Shetfield versus Kyle Hendricks for today's Labor Day game. It's an afternoon game at 120. And then tomorrow's night game will be Felix Hernandez and John Lester in a matchup that would have been absolutely nails in 2012. <laughs> Aren't those fun? <laughs> they are fun. Yeah, I mean, this. Again, you know, it's it's American League West. I don't really get an opportunity to see these guys very often. So there's not a whole lot I know about them. I hope this is not something that bites us. Um, I know, didn't we play these guys earlier in the season out there? Yeah, this was uh, the Cubs swept the Mariners in two games in Seattle. Okay. So that was the last, that was the last like winning road series, or it was the last series sweep, but it was only a two game sweep. So. Anyway, the, it was yeah. the last time the Cubs looked good on the road, is what I'm trying to say, <laughs> prior to that Mets series. Well, I mean, based on the fact that these guys are, you know, they're the Mariners are pretty much in the basement the rest of the season. Um, You kind of hope that this is another one where we just kind of work our way through this and, and walk out of here with a sweep. But, again... Nothing is certain these days because we just can't, there's no consistently consistency. We are consistently inconsistent. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see, especially at home and with the two pitchers we have going, how we can, how, how we get through this. And again, this is definitely a team that we should be taking both games, but we saw how that worked against Milwaukee. So I don't know. We'll see. Justice Shetfield is making his third start of the season. Uh, he has not been great so far, but he's a promising prospect. So, it, you know, it, he could turn that around. His ERA in those starts so far has been 7.94. He has 11 strikeouts across um, those three starts. The Kyle Hendricks has been looking pretty good. He has not looked like dominant Kyle Hendricks, but he has been able to, you know, control his pitches and when he's getting the calls that he needs um he looks pretty solid he's very good at dotting those corners and making sure that his changeup plays like a much well his changeup is just is just an incredible pitch but it, it makes his fastball look so much better because that changeup is such high quality um I'm really hoping that Kyle can channel that energy tonight I would also love to see the Cubs jump on Sheffield early for some runs to sort of break the anxiety that they must be having about not scoring. I mean, the whole like haven't scored in 18 innings thing is certainly not just something Andy and I have noticed. Um, what are you thinking about today's matchup, Andy? 
Well, yeah, like you said, it's really hard for me to comment on, oh, you know what? The lineup is out. Here it is. Yay. Okay. So lineup, Jason Hayward leading off at center field, Cassianos right field, Bryant third base, Rizzo first base, Robel Garcia at second base, Schwarber left field, Addison Russell shortstop. That's not a good sign. Jonathan Lucroy catching and Kyle Hendricks pitching. So yeah, we kind of saw what happened with Javi yesterday. Hopefully this is just precautionary and he'll be back, but we have Addison Russell at shortstop. So um, still not loving Jason Hayward leading off. I really wish they would have made a change there, but yeah, I, I just, you just kind of hope that again, you see these guys battle and grind it out and, and really scratch some runs across early because I, I think they need some sort of boost to get them going again. It was um, definitely hard to watch this offense not score any runs and only have 10 hits the, the latter part of this last series. So this is a team that they should be able to handle. Um, you know, they have Kyle Hendricks throwing, so it's not exactly like, you know, they should be worried about that aspect of it. So really just get the bats going. And I think this should not be a hard game to win. Um, yeah, and then tomorrow night's matchup with King Felix and John Lester. What are you looking for in that? I mean, John Lester, it's it's September, and he knows that. And um, I really just hope we get the best of him these upcoming weeks. And, again, you know, this is a lineup, a Mariners lineup, that is definitely, you know, in last place in, in American League West. So something that he should be able to handle well. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to see him go out there and, and ha- possibly even have a really long outing, kind of come back and show us that he's fine and he's dealing and, you know, he's going to work through it. So, yeah, I mean – Again, we have the right pitching out there this series. It's, you know, I'm not worried about our pitching. I'm really not. Our starting pitching has, I feel like, kind of hit a groove. And, yeah, they've had some hiccups, but I, I these guys are all guys that are have worked through it and have had situations like that and been fine. So kind of looking for him to come back, come back and have a great outing and um, look for his offense to do something to, to help him out. Yeah, I... Lester has been kind of an enigma to me, at least over the last month and a half. I, I feel, I mean, he's definitely grinding. He's doing what you expect from a veteran pitcher. He has also struggled quite a bit. I'm glad to see Luke Roy catching him again. I looked at this for the site um, earlier this week, and he does better with Luke Roy behind the plate. I am curious to see what his pitch makeup will look like. And if he's getting calls, I think that maybe more than – a lot of teams, the way that this pitching staff is currently constructed, Hamels, Lester, Hendricks, these are all like pinpoint control guys. And so when they're not getting those calls on the corner or when they're, um, it, it, it just really skews their game, or at least it feels that way to me. So hopefully Lester will be on point and the Cubs can, or, um, and the Cubs can jump on, King Felix tomorrow night and they can take that game. So I have to ask you because I am starting to pull my hair out over this. And I know this is something that you've um, hot button issue for you all season, but the strike zone, like this past weekend, were you just like, I mean, were you going nuts? Cause I kind of felt like there was a couple times I found myself screenshotting like complete at bats 
And I know that I'm, I don't get as crazy about them as you do. I should, I should, I definitely should, because some of them are just so outlandish. It's crazy. Um, but I know there was a couple of bats where it was just, it, it was just mind blowing the way that the calls were and, and what was being called a strike and what was being called a ball. So I, I just, I always think of you when I start to get really worked up because I'm like, if I'm like this, then how is Sarah feeling? <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I was going crazy about it. I do every time I see a really bad missed call. Well, okay. I, I, I two, there are basically two standards for when I screenshot something and put it up. One is if I see a really bad missed call. So Caratini should have walked yesterday to load the bases and, and it was not close. Like there was a pitch that was, I think umpire auditor said 5.27 inches off the plate for ball four. He then wound up swinging at a similar bad pitch and grounding out weekly. And that happens because he has to swing at that pitch now because it's been called a strike, which is insane. Um, that's just insane. It's bad for baseball. It creates bad contact and it creates situations where it makes it really hard to score because batters can't wait for an actual strike. They have to protect against terrible pitches. Um, so situations like that, I, I share all the time. The other one that drives me crazy is when a pitch has been called um, a strike for one team and is like then almost immediately called a ball for another team. And I get it. Something, something framing. Like I, we've talked about what I think about framing before, but I, it is so aggravating to have, that something that important right like whether or not the corner is called or whether or not a pitch that is like just nipping the corner and the ball is mostly outside of the zone is called um it's so important particularly for our pitchers like I said that I get really frustrated with those types of calls and I think it's just demonstrative of an of a group of people who look being an umpire is hard I can't imagine anything worse than being the person who's judging like 99 mile per hour fastballs from one pitcher and then like ridiculous sliders and pitches that are meant to deceive, right? Like I get that that is really hard, but I also think that it is terrible that basically the umpires are the only people right now who don't see where a pitch is <laughs> real time, right? Like managers have it in the dugout. We see it on TV Players can go back immediately and see that the umpire was wrong, which just makes them frustrated. It seems like a, we're doing a disservice to the people who are responsible for the calls, and we're all keenly aware of how many calls they blow now. And uh, to reference a study I talked about on this podcast and wrote about earlier this year, I mean, even the best umpires are blowing like 7% of close calls. So if you think about that and you think about where that happens, and we know that that happens more often on two strikes then not on two strikes, that's the same Boston University study, then of course fans are frustrated. And of course it happens at big moments in the games. And makeup calls don't fix it because how do you make up for a game situation where Victor Caratini is not on base and the Cubs no longer have bases loaded with one out, but two on with two out? You know what I mean? Like that's just a really difficult thing to make up for later. Um, so I'm pretty frustrated about it. I believe that the game would be better with a consistent strike zone. And I, I am increasingly doubtful that humans are capable of doing that. So I think that it would be better for all people involved if there were an electronic strike zone that was consistent. I think it would lead to more predictable, a more predictable strike zone for pitchers to throw to. I think it would lead to better offense because players would know what they're supposed to swing at and what they're not supposed to swing at. 
And I think that frankly, for umpires, we would stop calling them out all the time <laughs> because we we would see them actually improve and be within the zone that is real. Well, and it's completely frustrating to me that not only are they now like changing outcomes of games because of how they call the strike zone, but they're changing batters approaches. And I don't, I don't like that, you know, I mean, cause you're not really getting a true sense of, of how a player, how well they can react or not react to certain pitches based on, you know, their worry that they're going to be called out on something that they shouldn't be called out on. And I just hate that. Like, that's just another aspect of the game that they can control now. And I think it's starting to take out in a player, a player's ability to judge a pitch or, you know, what they've been trained to take or swing at now is altered because of how an umpire is calling a game. Another Another thing I wanted to bring up with you because I thought this was kind of funny and I got a, a giggle out of it is did you see the video of Joe West like laying on Raji Davis? Yeah, I mean, I hope Raji <laughs> Davis is okay. I, did you looked, see his face? He looked, his very, face. He looked very awkward. Yeah. Um, a friend his of mine face on, is fantastic. Oh my god. A friend goodness. of mine on Twitter tweeted at that picture or gif yesterday and I about died. I was like, oh. wow. <laughs> Because he's like, he's like looking at like, I don't know if he's looking at the Mets dugout or if he's looking at the Phillies dugout, but he's looking at one of the dugouts like, guys, what's happening? <laughs> like, what, who's on me? Like, what is happening? <laughs> uh, so we're, great. We're sending thoughts and prayers to Rajai Davis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh my gosh. So All right. I think on that note, we're just going to wish the Cubs luck. Um, Look, (laughs) it is going to be what it's going to be. And hopefully they can get back in a groove here. After this series with the Mariners, they head to Milwaukee for three games. And those three games will be incredibly important. The Cubs have not played their best baseball at Miller Park this year. So now is the time to step that up. We will be back to look ahead to that series on Wednesday. And until then, you can find us on Twitter. I'm BCB underscore Sarah. Andy is B-R-Y-Z underscore blue. And we're always on the at Cup of Cubby Blue Twitter account. Have a great Labor Day. Have a great week. Bye.